All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons and locked on Panthers. Of course, it is a crossover Thursday where I, the host of Locked On Falcons, Aaron Freeman, and the host of Locked On Panthers and Julian Council will be talking all about this week eight matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and Carolina Panthers. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, it is Crossover Thursday. Of course, I'm the host of Locked On Falcons, Aaron Freeman, joined by the host of Locked On Panthers, Julian Council. We're going to be talking about this upcoming Week 8 matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and Carolina Panthers on today's episode. But before we get into all of that, I want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's the unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. So, Julian, let's jump into this week eight matchup between the Falcons and Panthers. And it seems like as I was talking with my Lockdown Falcons listeners earlier in the week, it seems like the arrow is pointing up for the Falcons. Not so much for the Panthers these last couple of weeks. I guess, you know, if you can summarize for the Lockdown Falcons listeners, sort of, you know, what has gone wrong these last couple of weeks? They, they started off 3-0. and Everybody was talking about this Panther team being hot. Sam Darnold, comeback player of the year. I guess he was getting some buzz there. And now they've <laughs> lost four straight games. There's all these rumors surrounding the, the Panthers making a big, bold move to get a new quarterback, although they shot those down uh, on Wednesday, uh, according to various reports. Matt Rule seems to be on the hot seat. The offensive coordinator maybe is on the hot seat. You know, I, I think this is the lowest uh, people have been on Matt Rule since he decided to cut Cam Newton or like the week after that. Uh, so what yeah. what is going on with, with the Panthers right now? Yeah, the vibes aren't great, Aaron. Not going to lie to you. It's been uh, been some trying times here. <laughs> I mean, it's the NFL, so the times really aren't all that trying. It's football at the end of the day. I would say, though, like Matt Rule, he's 23 games into his career here in Carolina. I know Joel Klatt of Fox Sports was on Colin Cowherd on Wednesday suggesting that Matt Rule's not necessarily committed to in a long term. And if the state job opened up, he might want to go take that. What was the situation? Penn State couldn't even hire him if they wanted to until mid-January. So I don't really see that being a real possibility. And I don't understand why he would walk away from a seven-year, $60 million contract to get back to college football after one season. He's not on the hot seat at all. David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, brought him here because he said he is a program builder. Now, program is a word that's usually used for college football, but he wanted to use that here for the NFL. Either way, he sees this as a rebuild. We are in year two of rebuild. We're not even halfway through the season. There is no reason for people to believe that Matt Rule should be on the hot seat. I would tell Carolina Panthers fans to, I don't know, maybe calm down. Like, guys, it's they're three and four. The last four weeks have not been good. Why? Christian McCaffrey has not played in any of those games. And even the win against the Houston Texans, he missed three quarters of that game. And Sam Darnold looked really good in the second half. That led you to believe that maybe he could carry the team. Well, newsflash, like in the previous three years in New York, he can't do that. And he's not the answer long-term here in Carolina, which is unfortunate for Sam. And I hope he has people close around him that will be there by his side no matter what. But Sam is just not that guy. But he has shown that when he has McCaffrey there on the field, 
that he's capable of making plays. And hopefully when Chris McCaffrey comes back, that the Carolina Panthers can find some sort of offensive rhythm and identity. They've turned the football over way too many times. They've had about 31% complete, uh, percentage, not completion, but percentage in terms of third down conversions over the last four weeks, which has not helped them at all. Uh, the drops, they lead the league in drops. Robbie Anderson has been MIA all season long outside of having the sideline side tirade following Sam Darnold's third interception in the loss to the Eagles. The kicking game hasn't necessarily been great in terms of special teams, like with punting. Punters on IR, they signed a new punter. The kicker, Zane Gonzalez, has actually been fine. And defensively, they've taken a couple steps back just based off of they're on the field way too much, and they've lost guys like Shaq Thompson that's instrumental to this team, J.C. Horn. They've yet to get Stephon Gilmore. They also lost to Justin Burris. So it's been rough the last four weeks. But Joe Brady should continue to call plays. I never thought he was sort of genius. I felt like he probably deserved more time to wait before coming to the NFL. But, hey, that's the way things work out nowadays. That guy has one good season. They're crowned as being some sort of genius. And then they get an opportunity here in Carolina. His offense was good last year. But this year it's not. And I mainly blame that because of Sam Darnold not being the same quarterback that Teddy Bridgewater is. And also losing Curtis Samuel, which doesn't help out. And the offense line also has been very bad for the Carolina Panthers. So there's been a numerous amount of things to why the Carolina Panthers have struggled the last four weeks, but they are still three and four, and they have a very winnable game on Sunday. And four and four through eight weeks should not be seen as a bad thing, especially when it'd be only one game behind their win total of 2020. So going into this weekend, what is going right for this Panthers team? What is the thing that they should be hanging their hat on in terms of the positives for this team? The defense is still spectacular. Like They haven't gotten after the passer as much as they did in the first three weeks of the season as teams have gotten max protect. And they tried to chip guys like Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick. Burns finally had a sack on Sunday against the Giants after being shut out for the last three games. But he's been terrific. So has Hassan Reddick. I really like what I've seen from Daquan Jones and Nitor Grosmatos and Derek Brown so far this season. The secondary even though they've been banged up, guys like Sean Chandler have stepped up in the, at safety for Justin Burris and have played well. And you've gotten a lot, great play from A.J. Bouye. And same thing uh, with Dante Jackson, who's had a career year thus far. Like The, the defense, Jeremy Chin as well, defensively, they have been solid. Like They weren't going to be the number one defense in the league and only give up 40 yards rushing and only give up three points per game. Like That was never going to be sustainable. But they are a really good unit. D.J. Moore's had a great season so far. And again, San Gonzalez, who... I thought was going to come in here because they had bad kicking situations after letting Graham Gano go and Graham Gano used last week as a revenge game and certain of the coaching staff that for whatever reason didn't want to watch him kick live for them, that they made a terrible decision in going with Joey Sly and then now ending up with Zane Gonzalez has actually been pretty good for the Carolina Panthers. So those are the positives for the team so far. And also like there's still 10 games left. So that's positive. Like you can try and turn things around and outside of, I guess, the top five teams in the NFC, I feel like everyone else, especially that's me and that, that wild card bunch, and I'll include this Falcons in this as well, are all pretty much the same team. So it's not like Carolina is in a position where they can't beat any of the teams moving forward. Now, the games that they should have won, and you would have hoped they would have won, were the last couple of weeks against Philly and against New York and against Minnesota. Like This was supposed to be the easy stretch of the schedule, if there's any easy stretch of a schedule in the National Football League, and they just didn't take advantage of any of those games. Now, you talked about the defense. Uh, and that unit still being strong. I agree with you there. Uh, you know, there, is this going to be the week that we finally get to see Stefan Gilmore? Is this a week where Shaq Thompson is supposed to come back? You know, what's the, going on with their injury situation? And is this defense only going to get stronger if they get some of these players back? Yeah, I believe on Wednesday, Shaq Thompson was out on the practice field. I want to say he was limited. 
Uh, Stephon Gilmore, he's been out there. They wanted to give him more time. He was eligible to come off the pup list, physically unable to perform list for the folks that don't know that last week, but they want to give him more time with the, with the quad injury, excuse me. And now he's back on the practice field. I think he'll play on Sunday would be a great spot. I mean, next weekend is also Stephon Gilmore revenge game against Bill Belichick and New England Patriots. The Panthers come back home, Bank of America Stadium. So I'd expect him to probably play as far as Shaq Thompson. Not sure yet. They've also lost their um, starting right guard, John Miller, who has not had a good season. Has missed time with COVID week one. He's also dealt with a shoulder injury. Now he's dealing with an ankle injury that has him on IR. And the offensive line situation already wasn't great to begin with. They failed to have continuity throughout the season because of some of the injuries and the poor plays. So it does not help them moving forward to Sunday, especially the interior struggle in the area where a guy like Brady Jarrett, who historically had pretty good games with the Carolina Panthers, could take over on Sunday and cause Sam Darnold to have more issues in the pocket. Now, obviously, you've already touched upon how the team has struggled without Christian McCaffrey. I'm old enough to remember when, you know, a year ago, people were saying maybe this Panthers offense is better without Christian McCaffrey, in part <laughs> due stupid. to uh, Mike Davis's uh, presence there at the beginning of, of last year. I'm just curious from your perspective, why does this offense seem to be so much worse without Christian McCaffrey this year than it was a year ago? And, and is that just simply Sam Darnold's bad? Uh, I can't say it's 100% Sam Darnold. Like, here's the thing, too. Like, when you look at the offense from last year to this year, like Joe Brady's still calling plays. The offensive line's still no good. But other than that, like you still got DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson's had a terrible season. I don't know what the issue is there, whether it's like fundamentals, his focus. Um, maybe he's checked out because he got the bag before the season. I don't know what's happening with Robbie Anderson. They've tried to get him involved. It has not worked out so far over the last couple of weeks. So he's not playing well. And I don't know if you can just completely blame the quarterback because he has to catch the football. And not all of those passes by Darnold are perfect, but as a pro, you have to catch the ball. So Robbie Anderson's been bad this year. DJ's been just as good as he was last year. Uh, and as far as like a third wide receiver, like Curtis Samuel, I felt like he had a good season last year in large part because like it's his fourth year in the league. He's good, but also because Chris McCaffrey wasn't out there to take some of those reps and be kind of that number 1A or 1B, depending on how you want to look at him and DJ Moore as like the first option in terms of receiving. So that helped out Curtis Samuel. But you look at it now, like Terrace Marshall, I think he's going to be a good player for them, but he hasn't really done too much so far this season when he's been healthy out there on the field. So not having Curtis Samuel on the field and not having the, and Robbie Anderson playing poorly, that has definitely impacted the offense. The quarterback is worse than the guy that they had last year. The way they brought Arnold in here was hoping that he'd be an upgrade, even though the tape, through three seasons showed you that he wasn't an upgrade. And then when Teddy Bridgewater, who got scapegoated back when he played with Minnesota and they won the division in 2015, when he had a good team around him, you know, they went to the playoffs and in New Orleans, when he had a strong roster around him, the same season where here in Carolina, Kyle Allen was benefiting off of McCaffrey's thousand thousand season and a fantastic defense at, the, at least the beginning part of the season, folks were like, Oh, he should be the franchise. But no one was saying that in New Orleans about Bridgewater taking over when he was also benefiting from Alvin Kamara and a fantastic defense. Like, when he's had good things around him, he's proven you can win football games with him. Where Sam Darnold hasn't really had that opportunity, but he's proven through the last couple of weeks that without Chris McCaffrey, he seems lost in this system, which is an issue. So it's the decline of Robbie Anderson not having Curtis Samuel, and also just the quarterback play has been just far worse than it was last season, where it was honestly just average and what you expected out of Bridgewater. At least you should have expected if you were being reasonable about things, which a lot of Panther fans weren't being and still aren't being. 
unreasonable football fans? Never heard of it. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> so, Julian, we are going to end the, the segment talking about the Carolina Panthers and, and flip gears here and talk a little bit more about this Atlanta Falcons team headed into this week eight matchup on today's crossover Thursday. So guys, as we keep it moving here on today's crossover Thursday episode of Lockdown Falcons and Lockdown Panthers, I'm going to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965 with tasty, affordable food. When I'm heading to McDonald's, I'm usually on a mission to get fries and McNuggets. But McDonald's is also a place where family and friends can come to reconnect, a place where classmates know they can meet up for a study group, knowing that they'll get that dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, and both the home and away teams can come to recharge. And when you're on that long road trip and you see those golden arches, you know you can look forward to resting and refueling. McDonald's is always there for you and has always been there for me through some tough times, Doing the Lockdown Falcons podcast over the years, I know that McDonald's has always come through in the clutch with the drive through with quick, reliable service and that tasty, affordable food whenever I need to come on for a Lockdown Falcons episode. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say Lockdown Watch Party? McDonald's, I'm loving it. Today's episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto with ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. You'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from a chain store or a car dealership. Meanwhile, Rock Auto's prices are always reliably low for every customer. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website yourself today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, back here on a crossover Thursday, Julian Council of Locked on Panthers, joined by Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons. And Aaron, I gave your Falcons a hard time when we did our podcast, um, the NFC South preview with Ross and um, the host of the Locked on Bucks podcast, whose name is now escaping me, which James, right? James Yarko and... I give the Falcons a hard time, but I did honestly feel like with Matt Ryan and now Arthur Smith, UNC, by the way, that they could have an opportunity to maybe be a lot better than they were last season. Through the first seven weeks of the season, Falcons sit at three, three and three, 500, back-to-back wins against, well, two terrible teams in the Dolphins and Jets, but those are wins at the Carolina Panthers. I'm not sure, quite sure they're going <laughs> to beat Miami the way they've been playing the last couple of weeks. What have you seen from this Falcons team through the first seven weeks and six games of the season that have gotten to this point. Yeah, Julian, it was, it was tough because those first couple of weeks, it looked like you were dead accurate and I was seething inside over, <laughs> over that one with Carolina getting off that three and O start and the Falcons getting off to a, a terrible O and two start. 
Um, but, you know, things have turned around these last couple of weeks largely due to the offense stepping up in a major way. The defense is still very much a work in progress. They can't really rush the quarterback. A.J. Terrell's been magnificent in the secondary, uh, but outside of him, they haven't really gotten a whole lot of positive performances out of their back seven, uh, and they're just sort of treading water on defense. Um, but, you know, it's really been the Falcons offense that has really stepped up their game these last couple of weeks. Matt Ryan's played lights out. Kyle Pitts has had two back-to-back monster performances. Cordero Patterson, it seems like every other week, is, is having these monster games where he's scoring multiple touchdowns and, and making plays all over the field. Uh, and the offensive line, after two very, very rough uh, starts uh, to the season in those first two weeks, has really solidified and done a really good job keeping Matt Ryan upright uh, these last couple of weeks. And it seems like this Falcons offense is, I won't say firing on all cylinders. We're still wondering what's going on with Calvin Ridley. I don't think he's having as you know rough a season as you know maybe Robbie Anderson is having but certainly yeah. we're not seeing the Calvin Ridley that we came to expect to be one of the top receivers in the league this year and so I feel like once they get him unlocked um you know I feel like this Falcons offense is going to be potentially peaking and and really be firing on all cylinders at that point Cordell Patton he is a Charlotte area guy having Growing up in Rock Hill, just like uh, Stephon Gilmore, who might be making his Panthers debut on Sunday. At times, I've seen the jokes that this might be the best player in the NFL, just seeing how he's been incorporated for the first time in his career. OC figured out how to use him. What have you seen from Cordell Patterson so far in the first six games of the season that's been able to allow him to have the kind of start he's had? Yeah, and it's funny because it's not like they're being that creative with him. A lot of his success has just basically been throw a check down to Cordero Patterson and let him go make a play. And particularly over the first month of the season when he was basically a one-man wrecking crew for the Falcons offense, that was kind of the best part of their offense was just, hey, just get the ball into Cordero's hands. And if that's, you know, throwing the ball three yards into the flat or, you know, an angle route over the middle or something like that, then so be it. And and that's how we're going to get this offense going. And, you know, they've, they've moved him around the formation. He's been kind of their go-to running back these last couple of weeks. It seems like it alternates every other week. Some weeks Mike Davis gets the brunt. Some weeks it's Cordero Patterson. Um, but, you know, Patterson certainly over these last couple of weeks has been probably the more consistent of the two. And so it seems like they're going more of a hot hand situation, and he seems to have that hot hand. Um, they're also lining him up quite a lot more uh, split out at the wide receiver position, in part due to some of the injuries that they've had the last couple of weeks with Russell Gage missing four games, Calvin Ridley missing the London game in week five. Uh, so they needed to lean a little bit more on Cordero Patterson as a receiver uh, in those weeks. But now with Gage coming back and Ridley coming back, you know, they can get more out of Patterson out of the backfield. So it's not, you know, too complicated. It's not like they they've, come up with some creative solution. It's just like, hey, Cordero, uh, catch the ball, use that 230-pound frame and and, and speed and quickness and make a play. And and that's really how they've unlocked the the potential of Cordero Patterson that I think a lot of people expected for him when he came out of Tennessee oh so many years ago as this guy that was a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands. We've seen that come to fruition several times over the years as a kick returner, but we haven't necessarily seen it consistently on offense. And it seems like, you know, Patterson, has finally put it all together uh, this year with the Falcons. Yeah, no, I, I love to see it for him, especially as a local guy. I, I love them kind of to see. It's just kind of been frustrating to see how all these supposed offensive geniuses couldn't figure out how to 
make this guy into what he's been so far this season for Atlanta. Now, one dude I love for the Falcons, and I, I would love for him to have been the Carolina just to make a ton of sense, especially how the Panthers use their tight ends. Kyle Pitts, that man is a monster. In the last two games especially, we've finally really seen Kyle Pitts be a large part of this offense. You talk about the Ridley not being out, probably played a factor in that. Just has been as advertised so far. I, I got to imagine everyone down in the A is excited about what he's been doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, those first four games of the season, Kyle Pitts was playing well, but he wasn't necessarily impacting in the red zone in the way that we all expected him. You know, we went, or I can't speak for everybody, but I certainly went into the season expecting him to have like double digit touchdowns just because he would be their go to red zone threat, uh, you know, week in and week out. And we saw the team try to get him the ball in the red zone over that first month of the season. It just wasn't necessarily connecting. He got his first touchdown of the season uh, in that Jets game in London, and the Falcons. Um, had to kind of funnel their offense through Kyle Pitts because they didn't have Calvin Ridley. They didn't have Russell Gage in that week. And he certainly stepped up in a major way with nine catches for a hundred plus yards in that touchdown. And then this past week, while he was held out of the end zone, he made big plays in, in big ways against this Miami Dolphins defense. The Dolphins went heavily in man coverage. That's the style of football that they want to play defensively. And Kyle Pitts made him pay. Xavier Howard couldn't cover him. Byron Jones couldn't cover him. Eric Rowe couldn't cover him. You know, Jason McCourty got a couple of chances there in the, in the second half of the game and did a better job than some of those other guys. But for the most part, when it, when the Falcons needed a play, they got one from Kyle Pitts. He had five 20-plus uh, yard plays in that game. So a monster performance for him, nice. nine catches, 163 <laughs> yards or whatever the case may be. So, And then, you know, you're, you're not even seeing the full potential of him because he wasn't really a, a factor uh, in the red zone for the Falcons. So he, he is living up to the hype so far, particularly these last couple of weeks, as being the Falcons' go-to playmaker, their go-to weapon. Um, and it, it still feels like we're not even seeing the best version of him so far uh, th- through this season. That's terrifying. I, I thought it was going to be even more terrifying at Julio Jones State, even though it's not like Julio's had much of an impact at all down in Tennessee, which probably shouldn't surprise too many people just based off of his availability the last couple of seasons. And he's, he's an aging player, but Kyle Pitts is going to be a problem for a long time in the NFC South. Now, I want to ask you about defense. Well, one other question about a guy who was here last year in Carolina, Mike Davis, goes down back home in his home state of Georgia, playing with the Falcons. I thought that was a really good pickup for y'all, but it doesn't seem like he's been utilized that much considering the utilization and the unlocking of Cordero Patterson. Yeah, we, we talked about uh, unlock the Falcons offense, you know, firing on all cylinders. I didn't mention the running game uh, stepping up in that conversation yeah. because I don't expect the running game to really be much more than just kind of below average. Um, and, you know, it's it's hard to sort of point fingers. I wouldn't point it too many at the running back position because, you know, Patterson's been good. Davis has been good at times, but you're just not getting the sort of consistency. And I think a lot of that is owed to the Falcons offensive line just not being great as a run blocking unit. Um, and, you know, the issue with Mike Davis that he's been dealing with here in Atlanta is, you know, he's killing it after contact. But unfortunately, too often the contact is coming two, three yards in the backfield. Uh, and so it, it's situations where there was, there was a run play early in the Dolphins game on the third and three where the Falcons handed it off to Mike Davis and, you know, their rookie left guard, Jalen Mayfield, completely whiffed on the block. 
the Miami Dolphin defender hit Mike Davis three yards into the backfield. Fortunately, Mike Davis spun off the tackle and was able to convert in that third uh, down situation. And so that's a testament to Mike Davis. But, you know, Atlanta's not really seemingly the ideal environment for him to get the most out of it just because the blocking hasn't been great. And, you know, I think in part due to Patterson's sort of, um, you know, unlocking and and, and breakout year, Mm -hmm. you know, Davis feels like things kind of grind a little bit more to a halt when he's in the game versus when Patterson's in the game where you're seeing a lot more of that sort of explosiveness and dynamic ability either out of the backfield or as a pass catcher. So, uh, you know, I think Mike Davis, the Falcons aren't getting the max out of him. You know, I, I don't think that's on Mike Davis. I think that's more the the, the environment here in Atlanta. Um, but certainly he has not had the impact so far this year uh, that we were expecting. And he would get the opportunity to prove himself to be a potential RB1 in this league. Yeah, it seems like the Falcons, if they're going to win games, it's going to come down to Matt Ryan in the passing game. And that's kind of been the case the last couple of seasons as y'all have struggled mightily defensively. I, I have to imagine it's got to be a tad bit frustrating to see Dan Quinn, who was such a great DC back in Seattle when they were winning Super uh, winning a Super Bowl, and went to another Super Bowl. Then he comes over to Atlanta, and since that Super Bowl loss, uh, never forget twenty three, um, Falcons blew that lead. It, the defense struggled, and now Dallas's defense. I had to do that to you, Aaron. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I get it. Uh, I get it. And now Dallas, their defense, which was terrible last year has now figured things out with Dan Quinn, while the Falcons seem to still be kind of a defensive liability. Like, how how the overall just kind of vibe around the defense right now, seeing what Dan Quinn done, and also just seeing what this defensive unit has been able to do so far through the first six games of the season. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, I I would – defer to the the guys over at Lockdown Cowboys to to be a little bit more in-depth on on the Dan Quinn breakdown on that side of things. But it seems to me with Dan Quinn and his success in Dallas, a lot of it is he kind of learned from Raheem Morris, who kind of diversified his his scheme a little bit and wasn't not as sort of strict and vanilla as Dan Quinn often was when he was calling things here in Atlanta. He was either basically calling the most basic vanilla version of the cover three, or he's basically relying entirely on the Falcons man coverage abilities. Um, And that wasn't necessarily working uh, towards the end with uh, Dan Quinn here in Atlanta. It feels like he's done things a little differently in Dallas and not been as predictable there. And I think that's, owing to a lot of the sex he's had as well as, you know, probably getting better personnel there, you know, particularly in the front seven uh, than what he had in Atlanta, particularly towards the end. So I think that sort of explains why Dan Quinn looks so much better than he did in Atlanta. And I think you look at this Falcons defense, like it's Grady Jarrett, it's AJ Terrell, you know, Deion Jones is the NFC defensive player of the week. He had a, a good game this past week, one of the better games he's had this season with 15 tackles in the sack against Miami. Yeah. Uh, their other linebacker, Foye Aluakun, has been up and down, but generally solid, I would say, this season. And outside of those four guys, there's not a whole lot on their defense. It's a whole bunch of kind of replacement-level players. You know, they have a new defensive coordinator in Dean Pease who's, you know, been coaching in the NFL for, I think, 30, 40 years. So a lot of experience, a, a lot of knowledge there on, on Dean Pease's side of the things. But this year, w- when you look at this defense, it's a work in progress. It's kind of a learning year. It's really about him trying to like implement the scheme and getting these guys up to speed uh, on the scheme. And then you'll probably wind up seeing this team completely overhaul a lot of their personnel over the offseason and try to start finally bringing in guys that they feel like can run the scheme. This year is kind of just a learning year for them. And, you know, the defense, I wouldn't say has been terrible, but it's certainly not 
doing, you know, carrying its share of the burden of helping the team win games. There were some early games in the year where the Falcons offense was struggling and it seemed like the defense was doing a good job of keeping the team in the game and the Falcons offense just kept falling flat uh, to, to get them back into those games, the Philadelphia game, the Tampa Bay game as well. Um, but you know, in the week since, since the offense has started to take flight, the defense is just kind of just out there, just like, hey, if we can get a turnover here or there, which they've done, um, if we can get a red zone stop here or there, you know, which they've done, like that's that's what we're hoping for this defense. You just got to be good enough to not blow the game at the end. And I think the Falcons defense has been able to do that for the most part, but they have been cutting it very close as, you know, Falcon fans and NFL fans know, you know, the Falcons are known for blowing leads. And these <laughs> last couple of weeks, uh, you know, the Jets and, and Dolphins nearly came back on them and Washington did come back on them. So it's one of those things where, you know, at some point as Falcon fans know far too often the dam is probably going to break. And so we're just kind of holding on for dear life and just hoping that Kyle Pitts and that offense can just keep putting points on teams. Uh, And it's going to be tough going up these next couple of weeks, starting with Carolina with this defense being considerably better than defenses they faced the last couple of weeks. Um, And they have more good defenses coming up on their slate with new Orleans and new England and Dallas as well. So uh, this is going to be a test for this offense in a major way, because I don't know if the defense is going to give them a whole ton of help. Yes, my favorite trait of the Atlanta Falcons is the inevitable breakdown and collapse, even though I do think about this, like the 28-3 half, and I love the joke about it. People here in Carolina love the joke about it, but I'm a Braves fan, and that is of Atlanta sports. And it goes all the way to the Georgia Bulldogs and their inability to close out the national championship game a couple years ago to the Falcons and that Super Bowl, and basically Atlanta sports everything. And I'm like, if the Falcons can't win 23, when are the Braves going to win the World Series? What's going to happen this week? So hoping that works out, but also the Falcons somehow find a way to do what they do best on Sunday in a match against the Panthers. All right, we'll take a quick pause here, then talk a little bit about our keys to this matchup, a big one in the NFC South for last place as Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons meet Sunday, 1 o'clock at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So, guys, we're going to keep it moving here on today's Crossover Thursday. And we want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons as well as Lockdown Panthers your first listen of the day. And while we may have all things covered in this week eight matchup next Tuesday represents the NFL trade deadline. And we know that the NFL trade deadline is not as busy as other leagues trade deadlines. But of course, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered for all the moves that will be made over the trade line and more importantly, giving you that preview to the second half of the season. And of course, you can check out the live NFL locked on NFL trade deadline show Tuesday, November 2nd from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. And of course, you can subscribe to that on the locked on NFL YouTube page. So football season is in full swing. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated website and interface and even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football, everything sports. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today with the promo code locked on and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus. We started out the week with the Falcons being two and a half point favorites, but now the line has moved. And the Falcons are now favored by three points. And whether you're looking at that line or feeling good about the Thursday night action between the Cardinals and Panthers with Arizona favored by six and a half points, by the way, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, baseball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available at bet online, your online sports book experts. 
So we'll continue today's crossover Thursday uh, here, Lockdown Falcons, Lockdown Panthers. Sort of wrapping up today's episode, looking at some of the keys to victory. Where are you at, Julian, with sort of your big keys for this Carolina team? Yeah, it comes down to it's the same ones basically every week for me. But at this point in time, I my main concerns coming this season were the quarterback and the offensive line. And both of those concerns have come to fruition as both of those units have struggled. Being able to protect Sam Donald is, is so key because he clearly does not pr- trust his protection, like his footwork and everything and has not been – it's just been bad. Let's just say that. It's just been really bad. And I just hope that he can find a way to get back to the fundamentals and that he can just be calm and take what's there in front of him. So just Sam Donald – being a part of this system and being calm, that's a key. And the offensive line, like, it's not going to come. Like, these guys can't block. So that's going to be the issue the entire season. But Sam Darnold be able to overcome that and being able to play within himself and not try to do too much, like, that's something that can be fixed. I think probably when Christian McCaffrey comes back, whether that's next week or the week after or at some point here and in the upcoming weeks for the Carolina Panthers, that can happen. Offensive line, that, that's just a lost cause. Like, they're not going to fix that until next offseason and then hopefully going to the 2022 season. So Sam Darnold, for me, just him trying to get back to the way he was playing the first three weeks. And I want to see the Sam Darnold I saw in the second half against the Houston Texans. Now, the Texans aren't a good football team, as we've seen. But still, he was confidence back then. To get his confidence back, be able to find somebody he can trust, like Robbie Anderson, maybe him bouncing back or finding any other wide receiver, that would be great. Also, trying to run the football, taking some pressure off of him. That's been a big talking point here in Carolina, trying to find an offensive identity. Matt Rule coming out last week saying that what they want to do is that they want to be a running team, and they want to lean on Chuba Hubbard. They only ran the ball 17 times last week, and seven of those runs came on the opening drive of the game. So they didn't really stick to that. When it was like 5-3 for a majority of the game, like it was a bad football game, they are trying to throw the ball 49 times. So that's kind of my key, like getting a running game that can give, take some pressure off of Darnold and then Sam just playing within himself and trying to find something like his receivers that he can trust in, even though the drops have been a major issue for the team this season. And then the defense, of course, getting after Matt Ryan, getting him off his mark and getting him, sacking him and hopefully making his day complete hell like they've been able to do to a couple quarterbacks early on in the season. Yeah, I think when flipping sides and, and looking at this Falcons team and their sort of keys to victory – you know, a, a running joke here on Lockdown Falcons is, you know, the Falcons are the perfect get right team. Whenever you need to get out of a funk, you know, if you need if you've been struggling, run the football, you'll play the Falcons and you'll rush for 160 yards. Or, you know, if you need whatever you need, you, you tend to get against the Falcons. Um, and I hope like, you know, my biggest key to victory is, is breaking that cycle. I, I don't want to be making that joke on Sunday uh, about, well, we, we knew the, Fal- you know, the Panthers wanted to run the ball and the Falcons run defense hasn't been great this year. And of course, it, this was the week where it, it, it showed um, or, you know, Sam Darnold has been struggling these last couple of weeks and going up against a bad camp- Panthers offensive line. But because the Falcons can't rush the quarterback, you know, Sam Darnold was able to, to get back on track. So I hope that's sort of, you know, don't be the punching bag that you have too often been on this podcast, Atlanta Falcons. That's the key to victory. But I think, you know, really getting more into the X's and O's, it's really about the Falcons offense going up against his Panthers defense, right? If, if the Falcons struggle to to move the ball and score points against, you know, what has been one of the better defenses they've faced since week two uh, against Tampa Bay, 
you know, they're going to struggle to win this game because this defense, this Falcons defense, I don't have that much confidence even going up against a struggling Panthers offense uh, to really get the stops when they need to get those stops, particularly late in these games, which has been a problem these last couple of weeks. Um, and it's really been the offense winning the game for the Falcons. And if it comes down to the offense needing to go the length of the field to score, you know, that's a lot easier to do against Miami. That's a lot easier to do against the Jets than it is against this Carolina Panthers team due to a lot of the top topics that you're talking about with better secondary play, with better uh, linebackers and a pass rush uh, that is much more formidable than what the Falcons have seen the last couple of weeks. So I, I hope that, you know, the progress that the Falcons have shown over the last, you know, three or four games is not necessarily um, derailed uh, when it when it comes to this Carolina Panther team. And if the Falcons can keep this momentum going, then I think they should be able to walk away with a victory. Okay. Uh, I haven't, I don't know what the line is looking at like right it, now. It moved. It moved. It was two and a half, and now it's three. Okay, so three, of course, in favor of the home team, Atlanta Falcons. Kind of. I don't. We don't have to do score predictions, but just your who you leaning on right now? Because for me, it's tough. And I told I told my listeners this. It's really tough for me moving forward the rest of the season to have, especially without McCaffrey out there on offense. It's it's pretty tough for me to have any confidence in this team winning. They're gonna win games. They're not going to go 3-14. and 14. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, I definitely think they can win on Sunday. I just, for me, it's very hard for me to sit here and to feel confident moving forward in any game with Sam Darnold at quarterback, with the state of the offensive line, and have faith that the Carolina Panthers are going to win. With that being said, I don't know why. I just got, I got a weird gut feeling that somehow the Carolina Panthers are going to win a game on Sunday. I have no I have no good reason to believe that. I just feel like for whatever reason, they're gonna find a way, they're gonna beat Atlanta, and we're gonna be talking about like another inexplicable loss for your Atlanta Falcons. I, I just don't know why Carolina's gonna win. I just think it's gonna happen. Which I, that's that's a, that's the analysis I can give you. I just my gut, it's telling me. I had tacos earlier today, maybe that's what it is. It's my <laughs> Sabor tacos talking to me. Well, to be honest with you, Julian, I, I, I'm getting a bad feeling about this game. I, I'm way too optimistic about this Falcon team. I'm way too down on this how? Panthers team. How are, and you, it's, how are you optimistic? Well, just it's it's one of those things where it's like things are going right for the Falcons, and it's it's we haven't been in this place for a, a long time, and I don't know right. if it's just sort of the getting beat down by the the last couple of years of Dan Quinn of expecting things to go wrong, um, but it's just like man, you know, like. Yeah, the Falcons should win this game. They're at home. The Panthers are struggling. Um, you know, the Panthers' offense is not great. Um, their their no. defense is good. But, like, you know, the Falcons' offense seems to be, you know, I'm not going to say unstoppable, but it, it seems to be firing on all cylinders. So the Falcons should take care of business and win this game. But there's just part of me that, you know, again, I, I, I tend to be very skeptical about uh, this Falcon team from time to time. And it's just like, well, I'm too high on this Falcon. And we've been talking about the team potentially, you know, if they can start winning some games, maybe being in, in playoff contention. Uh, no, and it don't just, do that. That, don't it just do that. feels, it feels wrong, you know? So I, I don't feel great about this matchup. It, it's kind of a coin toss to me. Um, so like I, you know, as far as that line goes, I would probably lean a little bit towards the Panthers in terms of covering that line. And so, you know, it's just ultimately who wins is, is, is a little bit of a coin toss to me. 
I mean, for me, either Carolina's going to win or they're going to get embarrassed again on Sunday. Like, that's just the only way I could see it happening. Either it's like a win and, and all the black great because people here hate Atlanta, even though I know Falcons fans could not care less about the Panthers based <laughs> off of the rival with the Saints. It only and makes you guys hate us more, right? I know. It's, I, and I, I think it's funny, honestly, because it's like Panther fans hate Atlanta so much, like, they don't care about y'all. But either way, that's fine. I, I, I appreciate the hate that goes down there uh, as far as the team down in – the Peach State on down at I eighty five South, but yeah, I guess it's either Panthers win or they get blown out. Like that's just the way I, I could see it happening, and that's just where we are when it comes to these two teams in the NFC South. Just year in and year out, the last couple of years, just not much to be excited about. Not read any reason to really be positive, but I imagine this could be a pretty good game between two teams where Lord knows what you're going to get from either one of them week in and week out. Yeah. So that's going to do it for us guys here on crossover Thursday. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Falk fans. And of course, locked on Falcons, Julian at Julian council on both Twitter, uh, as well as over there at locked on Panthers. And of course, before we duck out of here, guys, make sure you check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast, uh, giving you that national perspective here on the locked on podcast network. We thank you guys for making locked on Falcons or locked on Panthers. Your first listen of the day, but always have recommendations for that second listen. And why not kick your things, kick your day off with Peacock and Williamson, where you can get that analysis from NFL analyst, Brian Peacock and former NFL scout, Matt Williamson on the other 30 teams around the NFL and these upcoming matchups here in week eight. So go check out Peacock and Williamson free and available on all podcast platforms.